minimalists. <laughs> this is the Minimalist Private Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the ego trap. We're going to talk about the advice epidemic, Ryan. Mm. We've got a bunch of surprise questions. We'll see how many of those we can get to. But first, let's start with some more about less. Mm. And I didn't know where to start. I have a few things I want to read. So I figured I would start with this essay that I have not edited. I've been working on this one for about two weeks, Ryan. Okay. And it has really, yeah, we talked about desire on the mental episode. Like I've just had this deep desire to work on this. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been getting up at three and four in the morning and just working on this for an hour, sometimes two, three hours. One day it was five hours. Mm-hmm. And it's a short, sh- relatively short essay, but I, I'm, I just keep chipping away. And it's really helped. One of the reasons that I write the, the real reason is I don't know why I write, right? I mean, th- that, that's ultimately, like, I have a deep desire, but I don't know why. Mm. Uh, so yeah. You so don't know how you fostered that. It's, it just is. I, right, right, right. And I don't, I don't know that I did foster it. Like, I, right. I think that I, maybe in a way that I, I feed it because I have that, that desire. Mm. But I, I talk about this in the writing class. We, we write to express ourselves we write to communicate mm. but beneath that like th- there's some there's a there's a desire right because mm-hmm. there are other ways to express yourself there are other ways to communicate right mm-hmm. but what I've, I've also learned with respect to writing is it is the place from which i examine obstacles mm-hmm. it's a place from which i understand or attempt to understand um, the thoughts about or the truth about a particular subject. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, this essay, and we can, I'll just read through it, and then we can, if there's anything that really stands out, maybe just jot it down, a word or a phrase, and we'll come back to it. And I'm open to changing this as well, because yeah. Sean hasn't even looked at it yet, and um, I, it's not final. So this is a, a, a rough draft. Yeah. It's called The Advice Epidemic. The urge to convince others is overwhelming. On the surface, it appears virtuous to instruct, to guide, to coach, to help others. Giving advice gives the impression of nobility, as if we have an obligation to ameliorate the plight of the world, to guide others headed the wrong way, to point them in the right direction. We are all middlemen in the middle of a self-help epidemic. Just take a look at social media. Overnight experts espousing advice. You should wake up early. You shouldn't eat that. You should embrace change. You shouldn't get anxious. You should change your habits. You shouldn't wear socks with sandals. Okay, maybe they've got a point with that last one. (laughs) But really, there is no should. There never was. And without our sandcastle of shoulds, all advice begins to crumble in the wind. Each time we advise someone, it may feel like it's from a place of love. But it's only the ego saying, I know what's best for you. Mm. The implication of which is astonishing. I'm right. You're wrong. And if you subordinate yourself to me, I'll fix you. How is this loving? There is no bigger ego than that of the helper. The helpful man simply cannot help himself. He feels obligated to tear an eagle from the sky to save him from falling, to drag a dolphin to shore to rescue her from drowning. 
Not only is this the opposite of helpful, it's not loving. I know because I've done it a thousand times. And for that, I'm sorry. A thousand apologies. My first inclination is to delete it all. Every exhortation from the past 39 years, every recommendation, suggestion, and opinion. But we cannot start over by erasing the past. We can only move forward in the everlasting now. Perhaps I developed an allergy to advice because propagating it only feeds the ego. Now, let's be clear. The ego is not bad, but fortifying it is a surefire way to decrease the peace. To advise is to put oneself on a pedestal, a plinth upon which no sincere person fits, since a pedestal requires that we look down on others, which is an ugly position for any human. Advice? No. I do not want to help you. I do not want to not help you either. Instead, I want to love you. True love requires speaking the truth and remaining indifferent to whether it helps anyone. Love and truth are always more helpful than advice. If it helps, that's fine. If not, too bad. That's none of my business. The truth is exposed through honest observation, through seeking and awareness, through an examination of obstacles and a deeper understanding of the way things are. Of course, this is not a recommendation. I don't think you should do anything. I'm not arguing my point in this missive, nor am I urging you to comprehend my message. I don't hope to convince you of anything. The moment we try to convince someone, we've lost the plot. To convince, to influence, to prove oneself, these are all ribs lining the same umbrella, a covering that shields us from droplets of truth. The truth does not require persuasion, coaxing, or coercion. It is the truth, whether you're convinced or not. Mm. I would say the same thing about love there, right? Mm. Love does not require persuasion, mm -hmm. coaxing, coercion. Mm. Imagine lovingly coercing someone. <laughs> <laughs> Doing this for your own good. Oh my God. It is well, love whether you're convinced or not. Yeah. It's funny because people will do bad things under the guise of love. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's actually not loving. Yeah. 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 She mm. hits me because she loves me. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes me think about my dad and how he. T so my aunt called me, and she's like, "Hey, I talked to your dad about you know him not talking to you, and he said to me, well, think of it as, let's say Ryan was a heroin addict." And the loving thing to do is to ignore him. Mm. And hopefully that he pulls out of being a heroin addict and he can come back. Uh, well, you know, that's how it is right now. You know, he left the Jehovah's Witness organization and maybe he'll do the right thing and come back. But this is my loving way of. Right. And I'm like, that is such BS, man. Awesome. It's, it's, it's under the guise of love. You're doing a very bad thing under the guise of love. The truth is we don't hang out with heroin addicts because they affect our peace. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with love. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with our peace. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, yeah, just made me think of that. Um, I also thought, man, 
It sure sounds like Josh is trying to convince us that he's not trying to convince us. Right, but that that's but, that, but, but hold on, that that's where we're we're acculturated to believe that. And right. by the way, like I I was very careful with the way this is written yeah. to avoid Sean, I'm sorry I keep hitting the table. Um <laughs> I, I I was careful to avoid because here's the thing. I don't I, I don't hope to convince you of anything. If it does convince you of something, that's fine. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, I would take it a step further and say the truth is you are just telling the, your truth. Right. You're sharing your truth in in the hopes, or may, maybe you're not. It's not my truth, though. I, what I'm talking about is the truth. Right. That's what I'm saying. You're sharing the truth uh-huh. because you want other people to have an example, an idea of the truth right so which is which is interesting because it goes back to i know i'm like this is it's all semantics right but it goes back to trying to convince people of the truth right and and i well i i don't think i can do that in fact i think if you the the problem we're going to have here especially on patreon as we we keep going down thankfully we have some seekers here and i was i was very Pleasantly surprised. So I've done some writing recently. The the essay I just read here, the the one I read on the minimal episode about um, the confinement of attachment. But then of course we have uh, the the solution is the problem. The uh, letting go isn't something you do. Uh, there there are several others out there. The uh, compassion for hypocrites. Uh, so all of the essays, you can put link, links to those in the show notes if you don't mind, Sean. Um, and there was one also about success, how, how all success is failure. And, and so this, there's a different way of thinking that's going on right now. And I wrote these fully expecting, Ryan, a huge backlash and a misunderstanding. Mm. And, and I was okay with that because I knew it was, I, I was searching, seeking the, the truth. Mm. And and now, I I look at at the feedback that we've received on those essays, mm-hmm. and they're resonating on a different level for a lot of people. Yeah. Of course, some people are left behind, and they feel like, oh, but but how do uh, I just want the how to declutter my closet? Right. Okay. We're we're probably not the best resource for that. Uh. And and it's because we don't have that deep desire to be the decluttering guys right, right? Uh, we we can expose the truth behind the decluttering mm-hmm. and and but the the 10 step guide is not is not our thing right mm-hmm. but i've been so pleasantly surprised that the or maybe even the majority but let's call it you know 30 to 50% of of the people have been like hungry for this for thirsty for this type of seeking so yeah. i think what we're going to use patreon for it's not advice. It's it's observations about the truth and about love. I I now I now cringe, Ryan, when I hear advice from someone mm. because I realize I, I'm seeing myself in the mirror. Right? Mm. I was dishing out advice. That was all. That was the ego trap. Mm. And that ego often kept me from the truth. Anthony DeMello says, do you know how, how you're brainwashed? How to know whether or not you're brainwashed hmm. is how quickly you put up barriers against someone else's ideas. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm talking about some of these things, at first, uh, when I was exposed to people like DeMello and, 
and Kapil Gupta and and several other uh, seekers. What I, I I I was ready at the time, but I realized that I was starting to put up barriers. Like, well, no, 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 no. What do you mean? Uh, the solution is the problem. Like that's my verbiage, but like that's that's basically what someone like Kapil Gupta would say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the problem is not the problem. Mm-hmm. A- and and I'm like, no, no, no. Like my it's my first reaction, but that was not approaching it from a position of openness. Mm-hmm. So all I'm really asking throughout these conversations, whether it's from you, Ryan, or it's from anyone who is listening to this, is don't believe me. Your beliefs are irrelevant anyway. Mm-hmm. Your opinion does not matter and neither does mine. What matters is the truth. Mm. And so what, that's what I want to seek here. I want to actually help myself let go of those beliefs and of those opinions because they simply cloud the, the truth. Yeah. So let's talk about... Um, I'm gonna talk about the trap of the ego. The ego trap. Yeah. I think it's impossible to not get trapped into it. Like the more that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's even speaking the truth is the ego. It's like the ego saying, well, I'm getting to a deeper meaning. I'm getting to a deeper level mm. and I'm able to let go of the, the trap of being right or wrong. But in a, in a sense, the ego is still there because it's like, I, I think about, well, I was talking to you before we started recording about how I really am getting to the truth of that. I just want peace in my life. So I I, I don't just want peace, but I want to be able to be at a point where I can be in the most noisiest, tumultuous type of situation Mm -hmm. and still find the peace. And instead of looking at whatever the situation is, or, you know, when I talk to my grandmother, like she just wants to talk politics Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be in those situations and treat her as a human being and not try to convince her of anything. Um, but as she's sitting there trying to convince me of something, I want to be able to find peace. Mm. Um, yeah. But going back to the ego trap, though, there's still an egotistical thing there of like, you know, uh, like when I see a when I see a yogi meditating, um, um, some of them like they get the eyes rolling in the back of their head because they they have such delight. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like yogis getting to that point. I have, but there's an ego thing there where they're like they don't. It's not that they feel like they're above everyone else, but they do feel like ah, oh, I finally have reached enlightenment. But isn't there an isn't isn't the ego still there like petting you and saying yeah? You did find enlightenment. Mm, yeah, and that's when that when that well that becomes if if the if the pers- if the pursuit is enlightenment, that's a type of chasing. P- pursuit is just mm. a nice word, a nicety to say chasing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if you're pursuing enlightenment, then you will never be enlightened. Right. Uh, the enlightened person is enlightened so far it, as long as they don't realize they're enlightened. Mm. And, and as I, soon as you up observe it, you're it's you're done. Yes. Yeah. The ego, that, Ooh. That this is why quantum physics is so like uh, uh, appealing to the um, the mystic crowd. Yeah. A- and well, it's interesting because maybe the ego is the observer. Right. So the self is the observer. Right. right? So, and so, there is no self. Right. right and so right. there is no ego. And and but 
when we have you know, sort of self-actualized or whatever. Now, you and I, aren't, we're not even qualified to talk about that. No, um, no, no. But, but, but what I'm getting at, though, is that when it comes to the ego trap, it's so hard to avoid. And I'm positing that it's impossible to avoid as a human being because as soon as you observe something and, and maybe I'll add this to it, as soon as you observe something and add a value judgment to it, yes, it becomes ego. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we have to go back to this. The ego is not bad. Right. It just is. Right. The question is, is how are you using your ego? <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's a question. Maybe. maybe yeah. And so when I, when I look at what we're calling the ego or the self or, or, or whatever, um, what, what, what we're acculturated to do right now is assign some sort of value judgment to mm-hmm. virtually everything. Now you and I for years have said judgment is but a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. A- and another way to say that is judgment is but a mirror that reflects the ego of the person who is doing the judging. Mm. Right. And so I say that about help, about encouragement, whatever these things are that, that we want to do. Um, Realize that they, they aren't they aren't good or bad. Having an ego is not good or bad, but it may be disturbing your peace. And you say, well, that has to be bad, right? Well, no, no one wants peace. Mm. If you wanted peace, then you would find it because peace doesn't require a search. It is simply uncovered. Mm. And so we yeah. don't want peace. We say we do. We give it lip service. It would be nice to have peace. Yeah. But are you willing to have peace? Well, yeah, I mean, I would push back a little bit and say because of the world we live in, it's it's like saying happiness is a choice, right? Like it sounds great and I could get there with that feeling, but you know, I can't I wouldn't plant my flag and like, dude, if you want to be happy, just choose it. Happiness is a choice. And and that's what I hear with the what you're saying about peace. Well, peace is peace. If you want peace, then choose it. But the problem is say choose it. I'm sorry. Um, I don't think you can choose it. I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is, is that um, when it comes to peace, it's it is difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult to experience peace mm-hmm. when you have external factors that are encroaching on your peace. Yes, if you continue to participate in those external factors, you're right. Society is the problem. Because if you went to go live on an island by yourself, Ryan, mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. you could find peace without a question. Hold on. Okay. Right? You could find... you Now, Now you would find peace there. Why? Because you were no longer participating in the things that didn't bring you peace. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about your grandma or whomever mm-hmm. uh, reaching out to you and, and bringing up politics, mm-hmm. let me give you an observation of what I've done with... Um, Ella recently, my mm. seven-year-old daughter, right? Mm. And th- this, now you might say, well, I don't want to treat my grandma like a kid. No, I finally tried to start, te- I finally started treating my kid like a human being. Mm-hmm. And so she'll say something uh, that disturbs my peace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for the last seven years, you know what I've done? I have s- simply- Trying to convince her. I have tried to convince her. <laughs> That's exactly, and what yeah. does that convincing do, Ryan? It disturbs my peace. Right. And so when she says something, she ar- she wants to bring up something that argues or b- disproves a point. The I sky said. is red. Yeah. 
And I won't say you're wrong. It's blue. Mm-hmm. Or if she complains about something. So those are the, yeah, that's another thing. But it, I, instead of saying, no, you're wrong. The sky is blue. Mm-hmm. I will say, as you say. Mm. Because she knows. Now, I, if she thinks that, like, the sky is made of jello and she actually thinks that mm. well then i have to set up boundaries as a as a parent like mm. I, I will i will correct her then uh, but i only do it once mm. because if you actually address a problem it's fixed forever as you say it almost sounds patronizing right because yeah. we've uh, you can use it page in a patronizing and way that's not a uh value judgment by the way it's just it when i hear that it sounds like a it sounds like a page because you know, the idea when we communicate with other people is we want to, and this goes back to the ego too, but we want to be understood. We, we want to show people that we understand. Um, okay. You, that's my next point. Mm-hmm. When she says, uh, my foot hurts, my foot hurts. I'll say, I understand. Mm. It's not saying that's bad. It's not saying, it's simply saying, I understand. Mm. And what's more compassionate than understanding and that you could you do it in a condescending patronizing way of course you could say anything in a condescending patronizing way right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if it comes from a place of sincerity mm. i understand all of a sudden you realize this whole time that's all she wanted i have used this for the last several weeks now with ella i understand mm-hmm. not it has put a shutdown on every complaint Period. See, that does not sound patronizing. The sky is red. I understand. <laughs> well, that, to me, as you say, is just like, well, yeah. Uh, look, hey, as you say, is like, hey, I'm not going to disagree with you. I understand as you say. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and so these things, as long as they come from a place of sincerity, yeah. they are immensely uh, illuminating because what they illuminate is that all Ella wanted all your grandma wants mm. is what to be understood really to be understood yeah to know that you're listening mm-hmm. well what is compassion calm passion to be with calm someone while they're suffering mm-hmm. right mm. passos passos it means to suffer mm-hmm. right to be with someone while they're suffering. Well, why do they want you to be with them? It's so you understand. It's not that you feel the toe pain mm-hmm. or the political pain. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, by us convincing someone, what do we do? Mm-hmm. We then feel their political pain or their whatever pain they're in. Mm-hmm. Not only do we feel it, but we usually amplify theirs, right? Yeah. Especially if you're going to start arguing a different point to them. Yeah. 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 Now, Ryan, I wanted to talk to you about, I, I, we were talking about Erwin, Erwin McManus, who's in our new film, and he and Aaron were having an interesting conversation. They've been on this podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, they were talking about having a mute button for negative self-talk. Ooh. And that sounds really compelling to me at first, except when you realize that negative self-talk is the same thing as positive self-talk. They're both poisons. One is just more flavorful. Mm. Like this one's pleasure and one's pain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and when we seek to, what? So a mute. That, that's beautiful, Ryan. Because a mute button for negative self-talk is running from misery. Mm-hmm. That's all we're saying. Mm-hmm. How do I run from misery? Mm-hmm. Well, 
the whatever we want to call it, peace or tranquility or equanimity, contentment, whatever it is, that doesn't require a chasing, mm. right? It's an uncovering of sorts, knowing that that peace was buried beneath all of the nonsense that the uh, cable news shows and the newspaper articles and the striving and the money and the debt and the expenses and those are all the, if you name, get a piece of paper, write out a hundred things that are disturbing your peace. Mm -hmm. As we brush those aside, it's just peace beneath it, right? Mm. Now, mm. let me talk to you about something that has decreased my peace, has removed tranquility from my life. <laughs> we put out a documentary recently, <laughs> and it's called Less Is Now. And I was just emailing with Matt this morning. Matt Diavella directed the film. And he was like, hey, how has the feedback been so far on your end? And I'm like, on, I said, frankly, the first day, it was a little disturbing how positive it was. Overwhelming. It was overwhelmingly positive. So much so that I, I'm like, I don't know uh, what to, to, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and then it didn't. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so everyone likes this? And then, of course, a day or two later, oh, sure. then all the cascade comes in. There wasn't a lot of it, but yeah, there's some. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, there was enough and even some Patreon supporters. And mm -hmm. it's weird because the morning it came out, the very first email I got was from someone. I had no idea who they were. I don't know how they got my email address. It's not public. I put it up on uh, Yik Yak. <laughs> you write it on bathroom walls <laughs> Yeah, for good time email. <laughs> <laughs> email JFM993 <laughs> at Hotmail. Dot net. All right. All right, so... <laughs> so someone emailed you. You didn't know him. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was like this long missive about why they didn't like the film. Mm. And I'm like, the film has been out for three hours? Yeah. You watch it in the middle of the night. I don't know where you're at, where you're calling, or where you're emailing mm. from, any of this. Mm. And... Um, but that, but after that, it was just like, oh, I, clearly that's a, a, a person, an odd person. Well, going back to being able to look at the criticism and ask like, is this for me? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with that email. It's yes. like, you can look at that and be like, was there any good criticism of it? Did you read it? Well, here's the thing. Did you thing. actually read it? it? Yeah, I did read it. Like, I mean, like, cause here, here, here's my answer. Go ahead. No, there wasn't, but let's say, let's assume there was, let's say there was great feedback in it. Okay. okay. What the hell am I going to do with that at 5 a.m.? On January 1st, yes, I get up, got up before 5 a.m. on January 1st because I went to bed in the previous year. And, <laughs> and what am I going to do with it in that moment? Yeah. This is a time for right. you know, celebration or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Like, uh, um, living in the moment. And what I found is releasing this documentary, it's no longer for me. And yet, I, I, for whatever reason, I've done such a good job of removing expectations, obligations, uh, but I picked them all right back up on January 1st. Like, hey, let me see what people are saying about this. Mm -hmm. And the, the bad stuff only hurts because the good stuff, you let the good stuff feel good. Or even worse, man, because I was thinking about all that praise. Uh -huh. And what that praise did is it just, it affirmed, it didn't make me feel joyous. It wasn't like this, like, oh, look at all this praise. Oh, man, you're so awesome, Nicodemus. Like, you did it. It was, it was affirmation, mm -hmm. which was neutral. 
Yes, it's neutral, but it's also, and you just gave me the perfect segue. So I was reading my daily meditation oh, this I morning from. What I was saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's all right. Go ahead. This, is, this will actually argue your <laughs> point that, for you. Look at that cutest little bookmark. Yeah, it says love people use things on it. <laughs> um, anyway, this is from Anthony DeMello. He um, uh, is not a Buddhist. All <laughs> people often think <laughs> oh that he God, is. Oh my God, Josh, you're a giant. I know. <laughs> 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 how big my hands are for the camera, ladies. <laughs> You should just see the size of my ego. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm putting it in the dryer to see if it shrinks. <laughs> All right, Ryan, this is from Anthony DeMello. Okay. This is a daily meditation. It's the first mm. one in this book called The Way of Love. Mm. Recall the kind of feeling you have when someone praises you. You mm. recalling that feeling, Ryan? Uh, yes, it's uncomfortable, and I don't know how to take it a lot of the time. So when someone's praising me in person. Well, if someone praised you on the internet, let's say. It feels good, right? When, yeah. when you are approved, accepted, applauded, and contrast that with the kind of feeling that arises within you when you look at the sunset or the sunrise or nature in general or when you read a book or watch a movie that you thoroughly enjoy. Mm. Get the taste of this feeling and contrast it with the first, na- with the first namely, the one that was generated within you when you were praised. So what he's saying here is there's two different feelings, two, quote, good feelings, right? Yeah. There's the feeling of, oh, I got applause. I got mm-hmm. praise. Mm-hmm. I got accepted, right? Mm-hmm. That's one feeling. The other feeling is look at that beautiful sunset or look at this, this mountain I get to go down when I'm snowboarding, you right? Know, it's, yeah. It's funny because when I, when I uh, juxtapose those two feelings – the praise feeling it feels unnatural it feels ooh no perfect it feels anxious there's a, there's a, there's an anxiety even though it's a good feeling there is a feeling of well that affirmation to avoid the anxiousness to avoid the criticism to avoid the feeling bad um whereas the sunset just is you're right and it's natural yeah, it's like it's like a natural flow where it's man-made versus nature. Yeah. Mm. So think about that. Understand that that first type of feeling, the man-made feeling, the praise. Yeah. That first type of feeling comes from self-glorification, mm. self-promotion. It is a worldly feeling. The second comes from self-fulfillment, a soul feeling. Mm. So let's talk about that, Ryan. That that soul feeling of the sunset, the nature feeling, right? that doesn't require anything exactly it doesn't (laughs) require anything Anything. other than observation right Right. in order to get that feeling the 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 praise requires something else here is another contrast recall the kind of feeling you have when you succeed when you have made it when you get to the top when you win a game or a bet or an argument it's the argument with your grandma right when you feel yeah and contrast that feeling with the kind of feeling you get when you really enjoy the job you are doing, you are, absor- you are absorbed in, the action that you are currently engaged in. Dude, the feeling of uh, like winning an argument, it, it, uh, comparing it with, with just being in like a flow state or something, yeah. it feels dirty. Mm. It feels unclean. Like... Yeah, I feel good right now, but at what cost? Right. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get that book. I'm gonna have to steal that from you when you're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another contrast, Ryan. Remember what you felt like when you had power, when you were the boss, when people looked up to you, took orders from you, or when you were popular. And contrast that worldly feeling with the feeling of intimacy, companionship, the times you thoroughly enjoyed yourself in the company of a friend or with a group in which there was fun and laughter. Mm. So think about that, Ryan. We, we talk about you were in the position of power. Remember, you managed a lot of people, right? Dude, all these feelings, mm -hmm. these man-made feelings. Yes. I, I, there's anxiety because they're all, you know, quote-unquote good yeah. feelings, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Feeling of being a leader, mm -hmm. feeling of winning an argument. Yes. Uh, feeling of, I forget what the first one was, but. The these, first one was when you had power, when you were the boss. No, I'm sorry. The, the very first, uh, when you first started reading, it doesn't matter. Okay. These right. are all man-made feelings. Yes. And, the, and they are good feelings, mm -hmm. saying that with air quotes. Yes. But there, when I think about these examples of good feelings, there's an anxiety that's attached with it that I can't, that I'm, Actually, it's, yeah, I, I can explain it. It's, it's the anxiety that I don't get mm -hmm. because of winning an argument. Because of, it's like, oh, okay, I can let that go now because I won. Mm -hmm. But there's still an, an anxiety attached to it. It's because it's synthetic, right? It's yeah. man-made and it requires to be, it requires the making, the manufacturing. Mm, this right? is good, man. And, and so mm. we're going to keep going here. This almost brought, I mean, not almost, it brought tears to my eyes this morning when I, when I finished reading this. It's a short chapter. That's about a page and a half left here. Mm. Having done this, attempt to understand the true nature of worldly feelings, namely the feeling of self-promotion and self-glorification. They're not natural. They were invented by your society and your culture to make you productive and to make you controllable. Mm. These feelings do not produce the nourishment and happiness that is produced when one contemplates nature or enjoys the company of one's friends or one's work. They were meant to produce thrills, excitement, and emptiness. So that's why, Ryan, that's why you feel the anxiety because of the thrills. It's these manufactured applause, whatever it is, the, these manufactured um, feelings, mm -hmm. they, hmm, they, they require a feeling of emptiness, a striving, right? Mm. Because that's the only way you'll continue to strive is if you feel you're not whole. Mm. Then observe, observe yourself in the course of a day or a week and think how many actions of yours are performed, how many activities engaged in that are uncontaminated by the desire for these thrills these excitements that only produce emptiness, the desire for attention, approval, fame, popularity, success, or power. And Ryan, that is what I meant when I said that releasing less has now decreased my peace and tranquility. Working on it increased my, my tranquility mm -hmm. because it was that feeling of nature, the doing, being immersed in one's work. That's part of your nature. But then needing the applause from that, mm -hmm. that's showing up empty and yes. needing to be filled. Yeah. But we never needed that in the first place. Mm. I was more content before we released it. And I would have been just as content if I wouldn't have sought to fill that emptiness, the, mm. the, the self-glorification. I picked it back up even after I'd set it down years ago. Mm. 
All right, let's, let's bring this home here. And take a look at the people around you. Is there a single one of them who has not become addicted to these worldly feelings? A single one who is not controlled by them, hungers for them, spends every minute of his or her waking life consciously or unconsciously seeking them. When you see this, you will understand how people attempt to gain the world and in the process lose their soul. For they live empty, soulless lives. Mm -hmm. And here is a parable of life for you to ponder on. A group of tourists sits in a bus that is passing through gorgeously beautiful country, lakes and mountains and green fields and rivers. But the shades of the bus are pulled down. They do not have the slightest idea of what lies beyond the windows of the bus. And all the time of their journey is spent in squabbling over who will have the seat of honor in the bus, who will be applauded, who will be well considered. And so they remain until the journey's end. Mm. Ryan, we're going through life on a bus through the middle of Montana in July. Mm -hmm. And it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen is driving up through Banff and maybe all the way down to Sedona. And mm -hmm. We've got the shades pulled and mm. we're not seeing any of it because we're so focused. And I say we, and I'm included in this group, just as much, if not more, than whoever's listening to this. We're, we're focused on that, that applause, that, that praise. Those are the shades? I, I th no, that's us arguing inside the bus, I think. The mm. shades is like not being aware of mm. what's, what's just out there. Now, we are aware, and, mm -hmm. and, and there are some choices that have to be made, right? Mm -hmm. uh, our freedom increases as we uh, increase our sort of exposure to the truth. Mm. And, and so, yeah, we've, maybe we're pulling up the shades right now, but as you do that, you also realize, like, hey, maybe we can get off this bus. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like, mm. any, so if you're on the bus, it's almost like, uh, you're on there and whatever problems, anxieties, whatever you're dealing with, you can open those shades. And it's not even to see the other side of the anxieties and the problems as much as it is opening the shades, focusing on the, the beauty and letting go of those anxieties and problems. Right, because letting go isn't something you do, mm. it's something you stop doing. Mm. And so the argument with Ella, for me, was something, the only way I could let go of that is if I stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I still slip, I still pick it back up and I'll say, no, you're wrong, the sky is blue. Mm. And then I'll catch myself, damn. Mm. What I meant to say is, as you say. Mm. And, and saying it sincerely and listening sincerely to her as well, I'll tell you, the last week or two, I have had more bonding in a very genuine way with her than I ever had in the past. Mm -hmm. And and it was because I no longer needed to convince her. Mm. I still felt the impulse, but I stopped it before the spittle left my mouth. As soon as you try to convince someone to, you're, you're creating those negative things, the anxiety, the... Yes. Yeah, the confrontation. You're, yeah. You're creating it in you and in them. Yeah. And that's not loving either, no. right? So convincing not. is not loving. No, it's not. The only thing I want to 
look at a little bit more is in that chapter, look at all of them. Mm-hmm. Look, they are uh, soulless. It puts an us versus them type of mentality when that's, I think that's ego. And I think that that is probably what's wrong with the world, not just today, but throughout <laughs> the the history of human beings. It's this us versus them mentality. I think we're acculturated to think as a us versus them. And that's why we see it through that lens with someone like, like Anthony DeMello. Yeah. Being rather familiar with his work, what I understand is that he he believes that society is the problem writ large, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, any there is no us. There is only individuals who become part of a culture, mm-hmm. basically, right? Mm-hmm. And that culture always does hideous things to us, like mm-hmm. create anxiety, yeah. right? And and so when he's saying them. What he's saying is other than me. Right. Yeah. So let's talk real quick, Ryan, about um, obligations. We, I think one way that I've been identifying, I think one way I've been identifying the obligations in my life is I made a list of what are things that are currently decreasing my tranquility. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to share that whole list with you right now. There was four main things on there. One of them was the health problems I've gone through over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. ever since that food poisoning incident. Um, and you know, I was in the hospital last week. You brought me to go get an MRI and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I, you know, th- that's obviously in the way of my tranquility, physical pain. But there are other things as well that aren't physical. And it's almost, even the physical pain is in the mind. If I didn't have the mind, I wouldn't have the pain. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that get in the way of our tranquility. And in fact, the funny thing is I backed into this accidentally. I realized that anything that is getting in the way of my tranquility is simply an obligation. Hmm. And, and, and so I'm sure there may be exceptions to that, but anything like uh, parenting would be an example, like that often gets in the way of my tranquility. And why? Well, because it feels like an obligation. Mm. There are other times when I'm quote unquote parenting mm-hmm. that it's a pure joy. Now that's not as frequent as the times where it's maddening mm-hmm. for me, at least I'm, I'm not a savant of parenting. Mm-hmm. Now the, those times, though, I don't ever look at that as though it's getting in my way of my uh, getting in the way of my tranquility. It's actually aiding my tranquility, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's only when I feel obligated to do something does it actually decrease my well-being. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up parenting because that is sort of an obligation, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sort of, but yeah. even even going back to the minimal episode when we kicked it off with Eve the redhead's question, she said. When is an obligation an actual obligation and not a perceived obligation? Right. And my answer to that was we don't have any actual obligations. They're all perceived. And I would say even parenting is perceived. And why? Have you ever met a man who has abandoned his children? Uh, have I ever met a man who has abandoned their children? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have. And so have yeah. I. Yeah. And so he wasn't obligated, right? Mm. Now, 
that certainly seems bad and immoral and all of these other things. And but but what I'm saying is even he was not obligated mm. because he didn't create that obligation. I'm not saying that's what he should have done or he shouldn't have done. That's not for me to decide. It's none of my business. Mm. But what I am saying is that no, it's not an actual obligation. We're saying it's an obligation. Yeah. Well, it's like to have Bex in your life, you must have Ella in your life. Yes. And well, probably, yeah. Yeah. So you so it's not an obligation in the sense that you could abandon, you know, being a father. I'm not and, and I'm not saying that you even like feel obligated. And no desire to, to do that, yeah. Right. Um but you'd have to leave Bex. So I, I think that's where people get trapped in these obligations. And so the what I'm trying to get at is is uh the question, is there a way through perspective similar to what you've been talking about with answering her is like, yeah, I understand Mm -hmm. and finding new ways to approach it to where you're, you can let go of feeling obligated and instead just doing, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Because, because you know, if I had, if Mariah and I had three kids and you know, let's say they were triplets Mm -hmm. and they're all 14 years old and they're like, they're all shoplifting at different stores. Yes. I can't just abandon them. Like I, like there, there's this obligation of like, Oh man, like I have, there's something I am not doing as a parent to help these kids feel peace. You might abandon them though. You you might get into a car wreck that day and you die. That's you're no longer obligated if you've done that. Right. Yeah. So once we establish that the, the baseline is there are no obligations if you're dead. Yeah. Well, I I guess I'm trying to like for, for the, for the people who are in that, that gray area or that weird spot of, obligations as a parent how can they how can they let go of that feeling of being obligated um without abandoning their kids because to me there's not it's not either abandon your kids or have the or or live your life with obligations Mm -hmm. there's uh, i'm and i don't know if there's an answer to this i'm just positing the question of is there a way for someone in that position to not abandon their kids, but also let go of those obligations. Yes, there is. But if I gave someone the howl to, if I prescriptionized the whole thing, mm. then it it, well, it, I, it wouldn't do anything for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because we're not talking about a mechanical uh, beginner level thing. Sure. What we're talking about is a deep understanding of that which we are tethered to. Yeah. And And, and so ultimately what I will say is, is there a how-to? Yes, but it's discover, yeah. discoverable only by the individual, and it manifests only from a deep understanding of what the actual problem is. Yeah. It's and, maybe not a how I'm not asking for a how-to. I mean, you did several times, though, right? Well, I think we're getting caught in semantics. Um, no, we're not, and you can't keep saying that because, because it, it, th- what that does, it shuts down the conversation. Oh, no, I mean, I'm not trying to shut them... But also t- tell, saying that I'm asking for how to shut down the conversation. So, so let's have a conversation. Let's. So, uh, reason I said you're asking for how to is you, you literally said several times how do they do this? Right. Uh, so, um, okay. So I, I can't find a better. It, 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 it is semantics because what we're doing right now is we're explaining people to people how to look at obligations as they're not obligations. We are showing people how to, I mean, we're not giving them legitimate prescriptive how to's. Mm-hmm. 
but that's why I'm saying it's semantics because I'm not I'm not asking for a step one through ten. Right. You can turn it into semantics, and that's fine. I, what I'm what I'm simply saying is that I don't have a a how to for someone because the how to wouldn't work. You if if you if you got the the ten steps from Michael Jordan how to play basketball hundred steps thousand steps and you mm-hmm. followed them in perfect sequence, you're not going to be Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, and and that's 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 why I'm saying it is coming down to semantics because I'm not you're putting in words in my mouth and saying I'm asking for a step one through ten, mm-hmm. and I'm saying that I don't have a better word to ask the approach. Okay, so what's, for what's the question? Oh, the question. Well, and and maybe actually, I think you answered it in the sense that you don't know how to approach that because you haven't been in that position, and you wouldn't sit here and try and tell someone how to approach that. Because then you would be giving them a how-to. Right. So, so maybe the answer is um, all you can speak to is what you've experienced. And you did give a how-to, not in the sense of step one through ten, but you did give a how-to on how to uh, approach Ella when she comes to you with things like, hey, the sky is red. Hey, that shirt's blue. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. Thank yeah. you, as you say. Right. I mean, that, that is, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And, right. and, and maybe that's the answer that... Uh, to, to the question I have is the only thing that you can talk to is your experience and all you can do is talk about your experience and if that if someone can pick up from that great mm-hmm. but you're not going to sit here and prescribe anything um, so yeah I, going back to the you know the triplets with the 14 year olds it's a, it's a hypothetical and there isn't something we could sit here and say how to I'm just trying to put myself in someone else's shoes sure. who is a parent mm-hmm. and they feel obligated to parent mm-hmm. um uh, so without saying, hey, well, you can just abandon that obligation. Mm-hmm. I was trying to find, and maybe th- we can't get there. That's okay. Yeah, and I'm not, by the way, I, I don't think that we should abandon obligations. I, I, I think that for virtually everyone, they've become part of their life so much so that um, even if I were to say that you should do it, you wouldn't do it anyway. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not should. I'm just trying to help someone who f- who's in a position mm-hmm. to where they feel like they can't just abandon their obligation. So maybe that's the better quality question. Right. Where s- when someone is in a position to where they feel like either they have to be obliged and be miserable, mm-hmm. or they feel like uh, you know I can abandon it, but abandonment is not even on the table. Like they won't even consider that. I guess right. it, if you won't consider it, then, then there's nothing you can do anyway. Then, then, then you are tethered to it. Mm. Um, the other thing that I'll say to that is if you renounce the thing, you're still tethered to it as well. A, a life of renunciation <laughs> is, is in a weird way being tethered. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. if, if um, it's why I'm, I'm not, I don't renounce stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. E- even mm-hmm. though it may seem that way because we're the minimalists. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and people can have that preconceived notion. Mm-hmm. I'm not, against stuff i'm not anti stuff i don't I haven't renounced stuff because as soon as i have renounced a thing mm-hmm. i am forever tied to that thing yeah 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 I, th- I think the question i'm trying to ask i don't think we have a solution for or whatever it is uh but again i'm, I'm trying to get to, i'm trying to get somewhere where people because i don't feel like i have any obligations that i can't set down i don't know how i got there mm-hmm. i couldn't sit here and give you how to but I know how I approach yeah. my, my life and the peace in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people that aren't there. Right. So, so the question that I'm trying to ask, again, which we may not have an answer for, mm-hmm. is how can we, through our experience, mm-hmm. share that so someone else can see, oh, here's how Josh and Ryan approach their peace. Mm-hmm. 
and I have this thing that feels like an obligation um, between being obliged and abandoning. I th- mm-hmm. There probably is somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to get there. Maybe we don't have an answer for that, and that's okay. But that's but that's ultimately what I was trying to get to. But yeah, yeah well, if we I, don't get there. That's all right. Right, and, and so I say the way that we get there on any any case like this is we look for the truth mm-hmm. when we look for the problem, the mm-hmm. actual problem. Yeah, and so the it, it's not the obligation that might be the a problem but the problem behind the problem is something else like why is that obligation a problem why does it feel like an obligation right mm-hmm. and so there are you have two parents right and one parent is does not feel obligated to they feel like it's a, just a, a pure joy to be with their child every day and they take them to the park and to get ice cream cones and it is a joy and then there's another parent who feels oh this is like me. Uh, uh, <laughs> why do I have to do this thing? I'd rather be doing something. W- well, what's the difference between the two? One is obligated. Mm-hmm. The other is not obligated. Why are they not obligated? Because they don't feel the obligation. Mm. Because if they're all manufactured anyway, yeah. then we're not talking about how do I not be obligated. Mm-hmm. It's like how, how does this not become an obligation and for that i don't know because i don't have a, a how to for that yeah well i think there are approaches like for you you, you gave a wonderful approach mm-hmm. so um, but I'm, i feel like i'm it's, again i feel like approach could also be changed with how to you gave a great approach on how to uh deal with ella and her madness <laughs> to right. look at her and say oh i understand that's so. So that is. In, I mean, that's not a step one through ten how to. But that is. But that is in essence a how to. That's, it, that's how I do it. But it's not. It's not a how to in sense that I'm not saying that's how one can or should do it. Right. It's just. It just is. Yeah. It, it, it's how I. How yeah, I handle it. It's an it. example. Right. And if if you find some truth in that and you mm-hmm. decide to implement that in your life in some way it's like how you and i always talk about how we've shared a recipe and people can tweeze out ingredients and create their own recipe yes what does that mean it means we don't have a specific how-to it means we have recipes we have ingredients yes Yes. yeah welcome to the minimalist spice store (laughs) and we've set some ingredients on the table and if you find some truth in those then do what you will with those it's not up to me anyway now podcast sean threw together some surprise questions for us ryan so i thought are we going to talk about charity at all yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You want to do that before we get to yeah, the questions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do okay, that. let's do it. So in, so in the minimal pot, in the minimal episode, uh, we had said that giving to charity is not good. We also said it's not bad. Yes. And then I, and then we had a little break and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like I want to, I still want to, and I don't want to discourage people from giving mm-hmm. to the extent I said, I would like to encourage people. And I said, why? To give. And then you said, why? And then. Podcast Sean said, save that to talk about it. So now is time. We are saving it to talk about it. Right. So, all right. So I want to encourage, it's not that I want to, the the more I think about it, it's not that I want to encourage people to give. I just don't want to discourage them from giving. Okay. But, but it's, it's interesting that you said encourage. And I believe that you did mean that in the moment at least, right? Sure. And and I think the reason, by the way, I, I use the same vernacular. You can go back three podcasts ago. I'm sure I said, I want to encourage you to do blank, 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 and blank. Yeah. Right. And I will convince you as to why that's necessary. Right. Um, and so what 
what I've approached all this with is just an openness, right? Mm. And and I'm grateful that you're approaching this with an openness as well. Mm. Uh, you start to get a little closed when you start talking about the semantics and all this other stuff. And it, we build these walls, and I build the same walls. Um, okay, I thank thank you for that. Um, <laughs> and and so, um, uh, uh, where was I going with the the walls? I don't know, but I would like encouragement. To oh, okay. A culture we've been acculturated to incur- want to to think that it's good to encourage people. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, it's become a meme almost, right? Where, where it's like, um, encourage people to do good things, encourage your children to uh, blah, encourage people to vote, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We've been taught that we're supposed that we should encourage people and we shouldn't discourage people. Uh, With but the appropriate things, but yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess you know when I when I said I would like to encourage people to contribute beyond themselves in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, if I could, what I really meant by that is in people who are in a position to contribute, I do want them to, I do want to encourage them to contribute beyond themselves in a meaningful way, as beyond themselves in a meaningful way, as long as you know they have the means to do so. Because some people do have the means and they don't know what to do. Like they have the means and they. They they don't have an idea on what uh, you know of, of what to do even when they have the means, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, it's it's I don't feel it is a good thing. It's actually running away from pain because if I felt like I was discouraging someone from contributing beyond themselves in a meaningful way, like that would be painful to me. If I thought I was discouraging, so right. the opposite of that <laughs> is to encourage. Right, and right? so running away from pain. Is that your outcome? You mm. that, and so that, that's the reason I asked why was ex- exactly to get to this. Mm-hmm. And, and the honest answer so far is because I'm running away from pain. Sure. Yeah. And it's not, because, it's not because it's the right thing to do. It's not because, um, by the way, there are, there are other answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to decrease the suffering in the world. That's mm. an answer, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to ask why. Mm-hmm. Well, because maybe it's because I'm running away from pain. Yeah. It's like, I, well, it's funny because it, j- it just made me think, th- I want to encourage other people to be peaceful or like to, to search for their own peace or this is where the semantics things happen. Cause it's like, I, I say these words, but I don't mean like a literal search. Like I'm not, I'm not putting people on a quest for peace. Mm. Um, but anyway, it's just funny cause it, 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 the semantics thing really does, uh, it stilts me a little bit. Sure, me Be- too. Yeah. So anyway, um, I want people to find peace. But ultimately, it's because the more people find peace, they will not interfere with my peace. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so you want to be left alone in some respect. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the right to be left alone is uh, is a is a beautiful thing, right? Mm. And it, the, the problem is we, we can't leave ourselves alone. Right. It, it, that's the convincing thing, right? Mm-hmm. Needing to convince someone means I can't even, I can't, I need to argue with my seven-year-old daughter for what reason? Mm. Why? To prove that I'm right? I'm, mm. Am I smarter than a seven-year-old? Mm. Uh, no, it's that's ego, man. Right. That, that's, that's my ego saying I'm going to get the best of you. Right. Or you're not going to get the best of me. Mm. But as soon as, as soon as I let go of that mm. by not by doing something, but by not doing something. Yeah. As soon as I let go of that, you know what I experienced? 
peace. You know what else I experienced? Freedom. Mm. The freedom of not having to convince her of anything. And that freedom also allowed me to enjoy her in a way. And it's not that it's joyous all the time, but it opened up some joy in the moment because that's all we have anyway. Mm -hmm. We search for happiness in the future, but there's never happiness in the future, right? (laughs) There's only happiness in the now. Mm -hmm. There's no happiness in the past. You can't go back and experience happiness. And any happiness you experience because of the past, you're still experiencing right now. This whole thing with Ella makes me think of, uh, we've been, I keep talking about a men's team in these podcasts. It's funny. It's great. But uh, we go over this thing called the code of honor. Mm-hmm. And it's like these 10 things of, you know, just, you know, how to be an honorable man, right? Which. What are some of them? You want to talk about them? Well, yeah. The Ella thing made me think about it uh, because one of the tenets is do not engage in battles with weaker opponents. Mm. And that's exactly what we do when we start to argue with a child. Mm. We're engaging in a battle with a weaker opponent. And because we see them as weaker, we get even more frustrated because they don't see how weak they are. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's so true, man. (laughs) I think maybe uh, taking that to its terminus is don't engage in battles. Yeah, right. Uh, But that starts with not engaging in battles uh, with with weaker opponents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else stands out from those oh um honor the truth mm. uh i think i'm paraphrasing that but it but it's i think it is maybe it is honor the truth um yeah uh uh be a good example to children is one of them i can't sit here and list all 10 of them but those are those are like the few that stand out the one just don't engage with weaker opponents made me with ella made me think about that i'm like yeah. oh like that is what josh is actually doing he is refusing to engage in a battle <laughs> with a weaker opponent right and by the way they're all weaker opponents right sure. and, and not, not weaker than me because i'm so strong and virtuous right. and yeah. noble uh no it's that uh the 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 real opponent is my mind yeah and everything else is a weaker opponent than that mm, mm. and that's why i talk about the the negative thoughts and the positive thoughts are the same poison because they're speeding they're they're, they're making the mind run right mm-hmm. and and when you are doing something that is, uh, when he's talking about the nature tasks, like you're immense, you're immersed in your your work. You're well, Anthony Demello. When you're when you're immersed in the nature and in the moment. When you're immersed in snowboarding, I'm immersed in writing. That's the state of no mind. It's not mindfulness. Mm. It is not a full mind. It is an empty mind. It is no mind. Mindlessness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's a thin line between mystics and uh, schizophrenic. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in many cultures, you know, previous to Western culture, uh, there was still in India. Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Th- there are quite a few you know, schizophrenic mystics, so right. to speak. Right. Yeah, yeah. But we do have some questions okay. here. Maybe we dive into a few of these. Let's do it. We've got one from Lisa Tower. As a returning college student, we're pushed to join everything: do community service projects, campus projects, etc. And scholarships often depend on who appears to care for others the most. And they have that in quotes there. Mm -hmm. How do we balance that? Ooh. So let me rephrase this question and make sure I'm understanding this right. Lisa Tower is basically saying, I feel obligated Mm -hmm. to care for others the most Mm -hmm. because I rely on these scholarships. 
Yeah. The, the most it means relative to what, right? Yeah. So the, the, uh, you want to care for them the most. Why? Because you want to be better than other people? Mm. Uh, yes. I mean, that's why you, that's the pedestal thing we, we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. You, you're standing on that plinth and, and, and you are not knowingly, by the way, if you, if you win a gold medal, Ryan, they put you on a literal pedestal, mm-hmm. you're looking down on people, <laughs> not just literally, but also fi- more dangerously, figuratively, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, Lisa, the, the, I mean, I commend you for asking this question. The word that stands out to me here is care. Care for others the most. Mm. Is it is what you're doing caring? And what what do we mean by caring, right? I think in this context you mean in this context of caring you mean loving, right? Mm. Love others the most. Mm-hmm. Well, I would actually encourage you if I'm in your shoes. Everything we say now is going to be in air quotes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at some point, it just becomes, you know, well, I think it was Thomas Aquinas who later in life um, just stopped talking and writing altogether because it, like he knew that everything that he had done throughout his life mm. uh, was sort of uh, a, a watered-down version of the truth, and even the things that appeared to be true. Mm. So w- in this context, Lisa means love others, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. I, I want to love people as well. I have a deep desire to love people. Now, uh, we can't do that conditionally, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, conditional love is not love. That's a, a checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, you've met my requirements for love, Ryan. No, I have a, a friend who is a former friend at this point who has gone off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I've been challenged with recently is loving him even though, and you know who I'm talking about, but Mm -hmm. uh, even though he has gone off the deep end, he said some terrible, hideous things about me and my family and you, and and, um, it's a challenge to love him. Mm -hmm. But if my love is conditional, then um, is it really love? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And so this word care is a fascinating one, Ryan, because I think real confidence and real freedom comes from not caring. And this is going to freak you out because the thing that has been my unique value proposition to our business for the last <laughs> decade is that I care way too much. UVP. <laughs> unique value proposition. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> the, I care too much. Uh, I care a lot. Let's not even say too much. I just care a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason I have so much attention to detail is I I care about all of these little things. But that caring is an obligation in Mm -hmm. and of itself. It is a tether. Yeah. Because that that amount of caring is always going to create that anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so back to arguing with your grandma about politics. Mm -hmm. What is that? There's a type of caring there. You want peace? Drop the caring. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking of something different with Lisa's question about if she wants X, okay? Yes. And it takes A plus B plus C to equal X. Uh-huh. She does have an obligation to do A, B, and C. Mm. So the question is, and I don't even know if this is the right question, but are the obligations worth getting what she what she wants? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you really want? Yeah. 
And and you know it's interesting because I wish we could sit here and because I love how we're like kind of taking this new approach with certain thing with advice and with uh, ego and and you know we've had some really meaningful conversations. Um, I don't think we're going to get to a place where it's like, well, let us show. Let, let Josh and I are going to show you how to be free of obligations. Mm, yeah, you're right. I don't think we'll ever get there. I don't think we'll ever get to a point. Let us teach you how to be free of ego. It's more about, ooh, well, this is good. Are we recording this? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, Jordan, hit record. Here, Jordan, write this down. <laughs> so obligations and ego and all these things that we're exploring, these are, in a way, they're tools. Mm-hmm. And we get to use, we get to decide how we use these tools in our lives. Or whether we use them at all. Because I'll tell you right now, if we could let go of ego altogether and like just go be monks... I mean, that's ultimately what we're talking about, getting to a spot. But the real world is we have to deal with these things. Yeah, you're talking about society versus not society. And even even mm-hmm. most monks, the flowing robes, the incense, that's ego as well. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, oh, dude, you go to Bangkok and, see, and go to, like, the Buddhist temple. Mm-hmm. It is like... Oh, it's just, there's so much ego there. It's crazy. Yeah. And by the way, you're right about not being able to completely divorce yourself from, I mean, even, yeah. even the Buddha who, um, I don't know a whole lot about, but or I've read graduate from, yeah. He, you know, he spent what, seven years in the middle of the forest, starving himself to death. But he didn't, he, but he didn't, you know, I don't want to say prophesy or preach, but he didn't share his story to not help people. He didn't, uh, sh- he didn't share, he didn't share his story to, you know, to, to enlightenment. The reason why, like, to, to truly, if 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 the Buddha, ooh, and, and and you know, maybe I'm going too far here, but if the Buddha was truly the Buddha, you would never know who the Buddha was, because he would literally let himself go free of everything. But mm-hmm. he's still in an effort, and and yeah, he. I don't think he used ego in the wrong way, but there was still ego there of like, oh, this is good. People are going to learn from this, mm-hmm. and I'm and I am enlightened, and I want to tell the story of how I got enlightened in hopes that people too can be enlightened. Like there's still a bit of an ego there. Right. If there's hope for sure. I mean, hope is one of the most dangerous things in our culture. It is, it is, Oh, it, it is so painful to us. Like, Mm. in fact, it's even worse because what we've been told that it's like the best thing. Well, there are political posters that say hope on them real giant. Yeah. I think we have to define hope because there's hope as an expectation Right? Hope is always tethered to the future. Hope is always tethered to the future. There's an expectation. And then there's a, I feel like there's another definition of, uh, well, I guess it's still an expectation, but it's like it's yearning for something better. Yeah, yearning is craving. Craving is suffering. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's the sound, that's, I mean, that sounds very Buddhist. I'm not a Buddhist. Uh, I, I don't subscribe to any particular ideology. Um, but... Uh, what I will say about about the Buddha is I don't think he was trying. I think the truth is that he was not trying to help and not trying to not help. It goes back to what I, I said in the essay here, right? Mm-hmm. That that um, where, where is it at here? The truth. Well, I see the, what you're saying because like the Buddha, the the, the Buddha, the Buddha yeah. shared his story because he couldn't not share his story. Yes, the the desire was. Yeah, and by the way, that's the way. I, that's the reason why? I write. Why? But why right. was that his desire? The, the the I think the truth behind that is we don't know. Mm. It is it, it's in our nature mm-hmm. 
to be propelled toward something. Mm. And that can manifest in an infinite number of ways. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's drug abuse. For some people, it's getting up at 3 a.m. and writing essays that eventually, a thousand years from now, will mean nothing at all, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so the reason I say hope is so dangerous is because it tethers us to the future. The future is always death. Mm -hmm. the, the, and so hope is always tethering us to death in some way. Yeah, I, yeah, I see that. I also, th I, I also look at hope as, like I said, with ego and with obligation, hope is a tool. And you I, know, I'm not asking you to to believe me. I'm asking you just to have openness oh, when, when we're discussing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just talking about the word hope. It's just. Yeah. It's just. It's different from what I hear you saying. Well, I'm just, all I'm saying is it's always tethered to the future. Or may, maybe I'm just added to it. Yeah. But but uh, so I am. Uh, I don't want to discourage people from having hope, but I do. Neither do I. Yeah, but I do want people to see hope as a tool. And like, how are you using that tool in your life? I mean, you know? it, yes, it is. It can be perceived as a tool, I suppose. But mm -hmm. like, I hope you feel better. I hope you get healthier. I hope this is your year of health. Right. Now, but I don't want that for you because what that does, now all of a sudden it's tethering your happiness mm -hmm. to my health outcomes. Oh, it's it's not but but that's impossible to not if you're suffering, then everyone around you is going to so we talked about this on on the way to the hospital. When you're suffering, everyone suffers. Right. And it's and it's not it's not uh, a suffering that we're not willing to take on. It just is. It's not good or bad. It's just suffering. Right. But that suffering, mm -hmm. while not being morally bad, mm -hmm. it decreases the peace. And, and so hope all ultimately, if we do the, you, you did the A plus B plus C Equals to X. X yeah. yeah. So transitive math, right? Sure. So hope is always tethered to the future. The future is, so is always tethered to yearning. Yearning is always tethered to craving. Craving is misery mm -hmm. craving is suffering mm -hmm. right so hope sure. hope just by the properties of transitive math hope is I mean, suffering yeah i mean i think i think we could do a whole podcast on that equation you just laid out but yes. uh but yes um i do see what you're saying but it's unavoidable because you, well, i reject that though uh, okay i mean thanks for putting up that wall but let's have a conversation um so i have two options i could either uh, and maybe I have more options. Let me see this. I could either hope for your well-being, mm -hmm. or I could untether myself from the the love that I have for you. Oh no 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 no. So okay, so maybe the better question is is how again? I don't have a better word than how. That's fine. I'm not looking for a ten step thing. Yeah. Okay. How uh, does one love someone but be untethered from their pain? So. Love has nothing to do with hope. These are two different things altogether. So love for you wants the best for you, wants you to be happy, wants you to be content, or wants you to live a meaningful life. That's probably the best thing. I want you to have a meaningful life. I want you to have, I care about your well-being. Bex cares about your well-being mm -hmm. because we love you. Mm -hmm. So when you're not well, it disrupts the peace, yes. which 
nobody looks at it as a burden, by the way. It's not good or bad. It no, just, it, it is a burden, and it's okay. Uh, I don't see it as a burden. I, I, I actually... Um, I actually don't see it as a burden. I can help you see it as a burden if you'd like. <laughs> well, maybe we can get there in a second. But what I'm positing, because we're talking about hope, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, how, so how do you untether from that hope mm-hmm. when that person's well-being, it, it affects your peace? Mm-hmm. The, the ultimate answer is we... Every relationship in your life is a burden, and it will it will remove tra- it will decrease your tranquility. <laughs> that that I mean, if you want to go there, that's ultimately but where we're going. But it's funny though because this goes back to what I was saying on the way to the hospital too. Life is fifty percent awesome, and it's fifty percent hell. It's it's heaven and hell like combined. And, and, and it's and, and unless it's, we stop subscribing to that, right? Sure, but but. But what you're saying, though, kind of proves the point of, like, I could either be miserable with you or miserable without you. Because because both paths lead to misery. So, so you recall the essay that I read during the um, minimal episode, mm-hmm. Ryan. There was a moment at the very end of that essay. It is called Confined by Attachment. Mm. It's probably not even published by the time this comes out. But if you're on our email list, you will see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we've been told by pop music and poetry mm-hmm. that to need someone is to love them. But that was a lie. That's not love. It's clinging. Mm-hmm. We experience the full spectrum of love only when we let go. Let go of the attachment, not the person. Mm-hmm. Without the clinging, all that remains is love. If I was on a desert island all by myself, I would not be, I would not be living it because as an extrovert, Mm -hmm. like I want peace, but I want peace with other people. I want other people to be included in that peace. Mm -hmm. So what I hear you saying in that end of that essay is really let go of emotion. And I guess that's where I'm like, intellectually, that sounds Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, just let it be. But emotionally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying like let impossible go of to get emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if we let go of, you know, we can call it emotion attachment. Whether if we do that, that's where we find the real love. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. love, real love, doesn't happen in the future. It's not that I love you tomorrow. I love you now. Okay. So, and so hope is tomorrow, next week, next month, whatever. So when you, when you, uh, when you're having pain mm-hmm. and you right now, yeah. And you're letting us all know that you're in pain. Uh-huh. Like that is uh, what, what I'm hearing you say is intellectually, we should be like, Oh, you're in pain. Okay. But there's some action that needs to happen though. Like, um, Hey Ryan, I'm in pain. I, I really need you to do X, Y, or Z because I'm in pain. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting though, because what, from what I'm hearing you say with that essay is that I could, if I, if I truly felt like what you were asking me to do was like too much or like it was too much anxiety, I would look at it and be like, Oh, you're in pain. Um, 
that's that's an obligation I'm not willing to help with. And I w- what I'm saying is that's that'd be the most loving thing you could do if hmm. you because the opposite would crush me. It would destroy my it would just hurt my heart if mm. if I was doing something just out of obligation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I I, I, I would feel I feel like an awful person if you mm-hmm. were if and by the way, I feel like this way with Bex all the time because of the health problems I've gone through the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the like most healthy, unhealthy person ever. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, I mean, all my tests come back like I'm um, amazing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, it turns out you're a superhero. You're going to live forever. I'm like, I hope I don't live forever like this. Yeah. Um, like, what's your problem, man? It's all <laughs> yeah. in your head. <laughs> we know that's that's both true and not true with me. Right, right. It's all in my gut in, in my instance, but the, the suffering is in my head. Mm. Um because, by the way, the suffering that I experience is still is also tethered to hope. Mm. I hope I get better. Mm. And and that's what your year of health is all about. It's about hope. Uh, no, the, so the healing, or right? The year of healing, yeah. Sorry. Right. The healing is a now thing, mm-hmm. right? And and it's a perpetual now thing. Mm. And that's why how I've looked at he, I've looked at healing differently in the past. How did I look at it? Mm. Fixing. Mm. I'm going to fix this problem. Mm. I'm a fixer, mm-hmm. right? Well, no, the fixer really creates the problems. Mm. And and so I'm not trying to fix my problem anymore. I'm trying to have a deep understanding of the nature of the problem. Yeah. And if you have that fundamental understanding of the nature of the problem, mm-hmm. the problem begins to take care of itself. What's a better way for me to say I hope you feel better? What see, it's not about definitions, right? It's it's the the better way is for you to to not hope, I feel better. Hmm. It, it, if you're saying better, it depends on you mean a better way. But but better but better way as in I hope you find this. What will bring what will bring mm-hmm. you peace? Mm-hmm. If if you let go of that hope, man. Hmm. I don't need it. I don't need your hope. Hmm. I'm grateful for your friendship right now and your love right now, and I don't need your hope. Yeah, it's interesting though because the hope isn't necessarily for you. I know. It never is. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. You're hoping for me, but are you really, you're really hoping for yourself. Yeah. Because it will ease your pain yeah. as well. It's funny because I'm not landing anywhere <laughs> with the word hope, but this is an interesting conversation. This is interesting. Well, it, this, is, this is culture, Ryan. Yeah. We have been acculturated to believe that hope, not the concept, not the word, hmm. but hope itself is good, desirable, something we should seek out, right? Mm. No, it just is. We have hope because we've been acculturated to have hope. I think to hope, look to the future. Yeah, help hope helps us avoid it's a mechanism to help us avoid pain. That's a that's a fascinating way to put it. Yeah, it's mm. optimism, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. the it's the delicious poison. <laughs> right? Do we have any more questions? We got Jessica Davis here. All right. Uh, Jessica Davis writes in, as a manager, I feel obligated to attend after hours networking events, usually happy hours that my employer hosts. I I saw that as my emperor hosts. (laughs) (laughs) I have manager as manger. So there's all (laughs) kinds of stuff going on here. I have social anxiety and do not drink. So these events have led to panic attacks on more than one occasion. How do I permanently say no without risking my job? Step one, 
Actually, I, I have an I have a story. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a bunch of employees at a certain point, and I threw a Christmas party because that's what I thought good managers did. They yeah. threw Christmas parties, and there was I probably had like I don't know fifteen or twenty employees, and um, like f- I I expected everyone to be there, and I didn't even in my head I didn't think it was mandatory. I just expected everyone to be there. Yeah. But then like five of them were like. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not coming, and I'm like, why? Can't, how can you not come? Like, it's gonna be a good time. Blah 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 blah. They're like, they're like, my job is to sell cell phones. My job is not to come to your Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh. sorry, I scheduled you for this party. You have to be here. <laughs> right. But you know what? They're absolutely right. Yes. And that's how I saw. I was like, oh, they got they have a, they they have a very good point. Like, I'm not. My feelings aren't going to be hurt because they don't want to associate with me any more than they have to. Like, yeah. that's not. They're not obligated to associate with me. So that's, I mean, answering this question head on for Jessica, Jessica, you are not obligated to go to these things. And if they make you feel guilty about it, like that's, that's them projecting their own guilt. Yes. That has nothing to do with you. Stop going to the freaking parties. And even if you're obligated, meaning like they require it, you're Mm -hmm. still not obligated. There are always other options. And if, and I mean, let's take it to the, like to the extreme. Let's say they fire you. They find some way to fire you because you're not associating with them. Great. They're forcing you into finding a better situation because right now, if that's the case, they're going to fire you. They're going to like be like, well, she's on a team player and we're going to like find some Oh, you came in five minutes late. You're fired. Whatever it is, yeah. Uh, what I hear them saying is, is that they expect you to show up, have anxiety attacks with no under, without any compassion for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't do that, you're fired. Which you don't want to work there anyway. If that's the case, you're talking about toxic expectations, right? Yes. Yeah. And by the way, I would say all expectations are toxic to some degree. Sure. But what we're talking about here is like a high degree of toxicity. If you don't come to my Christmas party, I will think poorly of you. Yeah. What a yeah. yeah that that's a toxic environment. Yep. We have a question here from Miss Suddy. What about a job you love? A job that you love that entails many obligations you don't care for. Well, you know this just goes back to the A plus B plus C equals X. I mean, it's it's a tool. Obligation is a tool, Miss Suddy. And the question is, is that are those tools worth using for you to have this job that you love? Well, because I mean, think about the obligations because we have obligations as the minimalists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know where I want to go with that, but there are obligations we have. Like if we were publishing this book, we, we don't have to go on tour, nope. but there is an obligation. I feel like, well, actually, I can't not go on tour. Like those live events, mm-hmm. I realize, like without having those for the last however many months or years, we haven't done a live event. For three years, yeah. That's why I do it, man. Like those live events are by far my favorite. It's the thing you can't not do. It's the thing I can't not do. Yeah. So for me, that's the answer. By the way, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing, though, with touring. So being on the stage and that, and this is ego, right? Um, and helping people mm-hmm. and you know, whatever, like that's, that's why I do it because it's really that it's the connection. Like, Oh, I just love that connection. Actually just thinking about it just kind of gives me warm fuzzies. Feels good. But going to an event, getting back to the hotel, getting six hours of sleep, getting up, going to the next city, doing interviews, do, doing whatever we have to do 
going to the next event. Like it's very tiresome. And in between the events, Mm -hmm. I have these moments of like, uh, keep going, Mm. just keep going, dude. Um, because the obligation that I have of the hotel and the, the, the short night sleep and whatever, whatever obligations come along with the say it's, those are tools that I'm willing to take on because it gets me to those live events. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're saying, you're saying that there, in order to do what you can't not do, it requires, so can't not do is another way to say deep desire. Yeah. Uh, So to do the thing you can't not do, you also have to do some things you'd rather do without. Yeah, like I'd rather just teleport to each ho- to each stage yeah. <laughs> when when it was time to talk. It's so funny you're saying it because I'd rather do the the opposite. Where like the the one thing about touring is getting on the stage for me that that's like the one thing I'd rather not do. Right. I like all the other components though. Right. 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 Uh, like I, I like going to this because we stay at the same hotel chain. We're not gonna say who it is, but like yeah. the same hotel chain every city and it feels like i actually knew 2014 was a problem because we stayed in you know 100 plus places 100 plus cities and when that hotel chain began to feel more like home than home Mm. it was like well wait a minute like we've been doing this for a long time oh yeah it is funny yeah and and so yes ryan i I think you're right now let's just take out the word love here Mm. for miss suddy's question because let's say enjoy okay it's, uh, it's more than light. What if we said, what about a job you can't not do? Yeah, that's not the, where she's at right now. Okay. And so, so, so we'll say enjoy. All right. Let's say that because we, we don't really understand love. We don't love jobs. Yeah, it, there's, there's a whole uh, we're, we definitions are useless, by the way. So I'm not talking about the definition. I'm talking about the feeling of love has nothing to do with a vocation. So let's set that aside. Sure. What about a job you enjoy? That entails obligations you don't care for. Let's say, let's not say don't care for, let's say don't enjoy. What about a job you enjoy that entails many obligations you don't enjoy? Let's go back. Let's, instead of saying enjoy, let's say pleases you. Mm. What about a job that pleases you that entails many obligations that make you miserable? Mm. There's no yeah. peace in this question. Right. And, and I'm also hearing that, like, is there, you know, if there isn't peace, then that, that's okay. But know what the cost of admission is. The cost of admission for you going on tour is what? The travel. Yeah. The early mornings, the interviews, all this other stuff. It's funny how for, in the beginning it was like, we're doing it. I'm traveling. We got interviews. And now it's like, yeah. oh, we're traveling. We got interviews. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm still out. I, the interviews for no, me, I really in, enjoy. But I do like the, the interviews. The stage thing is like, for whatever reason, I, it, it's because I, I, you know why? It's because I hope yeah. that they turn out well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. For me, it's like, I, I yeah. You're in the moment. For you, you're yeah, in the moment. Yeah, it's in the moment of like, oh, who can I connect with tonight? Like, you, you're you in know. a state of no mind mm. when you're on stage. Yeah. Yeah, because it has yeah. lost his mind, Jordan. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. Um, Maybe we should just move on to yeah, a couple was, more questions. There's one more thing I was going to tell him to study. So, okay, so the, the job that you enjoy doing that creates, what did you, how did you word it? So, what about. It brings misery. A job that pleases you that. Entails many obligations that bring you misery. Okay, so I would the only last thing I'd say for Miss Suddy 
and I, and I just would ask this because I would need to know this information, but ask yourself, are these boulders that you've picked up that you can set down? Mm. That's the only thing I would say, Miss Sutty. But if you are in, in a job that brings that you enjoy, that brings you misery, and you can't put any of those boulders down like they are legit obligations or you're fired, then... How much do you enjoy does, carrying the boulder? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Right? And, and if you enjoy that that carrying the boulder more than you would uh, than setting it down, mm-hmm. even if setting it down brings you peace, maybe you're not searching for peace, and that is totally fine but mm-hmm. don't lie to yourself and, and say that you are searching for peace and you're picking up a bunch of boulders uh on the path to peace there is no path to peace it is merely uncovered mm-hmm. uh, so let's um let's do a couple more here anka has a question Anika. anka anka how do we prioritize and balance our obligations. Ooh, oh man, I didn't even I didn't read this question beforehand, and I already kind of answered that in the minimal episode. Um, I'll finish this question first. Uh, we focus on work tasks, family, etc., but we forget about obligations to ourselves: resting, eating, healthy, relaxing the mind. Mm. Anka, I'm going to go back to the pithy answer that I gave in the in the minimal episode. Is, there's no such thing as prioritizing your commitments. And that's yeah. when I hear obligations, that's what I hear is she has these commitments mm-hmm. and she's asking how to prioritize and balance. And the only balance that you can have is take off the commitments, take commitments off from your plate to a level that is sustainable for you. Um, but there is no such thing as prioritizing commitments. And she's picking up obligations she doesn't even need to pick up, right? Yeah. In the question, she gives a bunch of examples like, okay, work full time, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then she says, I, then I struggle to meet. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's a different one. So work, family, um, resting, eating healthy, relaxing the mind. You don't need to be obligated to do those things, right? You, you All you need is the desire. If you want to eat healthy, by the way, do we even know what that means? Yeah. 99.9% of America does not eat healthy. Uh, and, and they'll all argue with you over what healthy eating is. <laughs> right. And, and even the things that they can agree on. I mean, we all know that like processed seed oils are uh, unhealthy. We, we know that now, right? We didn't used to know it, and so we consumed it. But almost every American, there are four of us in this room, three of us eat processed seed oils every single day. Sure. Right. The, I just had a shot of processed seed oil before this podcast. <laughs> it was just <laughs> a little vegetable oil to kickstart my day. That's right. Um, but my, my point is that like you say you want to eat healthy, but if you have the deep desire, then your actions will just follow. You don't have to obligate yourself to, or as Ryan says, commit yourself to it. And, and the same, I think, is true with relaxing the mind. What, mm. what does that even mean, right? Relax. Uh, um, uh, the things that are most relaxing tend to be when the mind is not going anyway, the, the no mind mm. state, yeah. right? We have a question here from Chris. Chris, 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 Chris. Uh, there we go. What about obligations to my family? Wife, young kids, teens. Ooh, this kind of goes to what I was trying to get at earlier. Mm-hmm. How do I minimize my reactions to their needs? Should I? As a husband whose wife works full-time, many obligations fall to me, and I then struggle to meet obligations to myself. Yes, I think that's a common struggle, right? We, we're, we're, especially with the people that we love and are closest to, we want to meet their needs even before we meet our own needs. Mm. 
and in doing so it creates a lot of misery right yeah now he said he said should i minimize my reactions to their needs well there is no should Mm -hmm. and and i guess the question there then instead of saying should i maybe what you're really saying is this what i want Mm -hmm. and and you don't know what you want right now and that's okay but you have really identify what you want Mm -hmm. and if what you want is equanimity then it may require a a shift in how you meet their needs and the way you think about their needs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't have an answer for Chris um, because I get caught up in that. Like, you know, I... Oh, I don't know, man. We could delete all our social media and I would probably be okay with that. I mean, in concept, but since I know how much it means for the minimalists, you know, not just to, uh, you know, for for our ideas and philosophies to be spread, but also how like, you know, people really count on it and I don't want to let those people down. Mm. And, uh, I don't want to let go of that feeling of, um, of, of wanting to not let people down. Are you following me? I'm following you. Okay. It, it, you're going to get dragged, but. Right. I don't want to not be dragged. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So. I, you, what you're saying is I want to be dragged and yeah, there's but, but, nothing but I, wrong with that. Right. So, well, the, the, the opposite is, the opposite is a different kind of pain. Uh, if I, if I chose to not be dragged and I somehow talked you into, you know, deleting all of our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's an opposite pain happening of right. of being stagnant. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how to find that balance? I don't freaking know. You but don't. but what I do know is that there are certain times that I am dragged, where uh, again it's 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 a tool that I'm willing to use that I'm willing. It's a burden. So let's let's not say obligation. Let's say burdens. Mm-hmm. Like it's a burden I'm willing to take on because. There, the alternative is it w- would be just as painful, if not more painful. Fundamentally, I, I agree that all obligations are burdens to some extent. You know, it's sure. just like all rocks, all, all, all boulders are rocks, so to speak, right? Right. There, there, are some, there are some rocks that are much larger than others. Mm-hmm. You could have a little pebble of an obligation. It's still an obligation. It's a very small burden. You get a pebble caught in your shoe, that's the biggest burden of your present moment, right? Yeah. And and so it's amazing how even these tiny boulders Mm -hmm. can really disrupt the flow of our lives. Mm. Now, what I'm not talking about is renouncing social media. That's still tethering us to it, right? Mm. And so the question then is how do we, in what ways does it make sense to... Did not detach to unattach one's to to experience non-attachment to one's you know, social media, family, whatever it is. Yeah. So this is the question Chris should be asking. Yes. Yes. How how does one keep the family without keeping the attachment? Yeah. And, and by the way, when I say ha- how does one there mm-hmm. that 
if I were to answer you now, then I would be giving you a prescription. But only you can ask that question, Chris, and then really examine the problem that is underneath it. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I'm really, I'm like cementing in this idea of all of these things being a tool. And we get to decide how we use these tools and if we want to use these tools. But like, you know, I'm thinking about it. If I had a kid, like I think of parents who have these kids who love playing soccer or football or what soccer is usually what it comes down to in this specific example. They have these mm-hmm. like tournaments mm-hmm. where they have to travel for like two days. Yeah. And then they have these like weekend tournaments mm-hmm. and like the kids just thrive. Mm-hmm. And like if, and if it wasn't for the kids um, passion for playing the sport, mm-hmm then you know the parents would not be doing all this work sure but they take on this burden of travel and staying in hotels and financial burden some of them don't right so uh uh yeah, some of them do and but and that just proves my point of it's a tool and you get to s- decide whether or not the burden is something that you it's a boulder that you want to pick up mm. and uh yeah, I mean that's and that's 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 a very individualized answer. There's there is no answer, Chris, for us to be like, well, yes, Chris, you should have those burdens, or no, you should not have those burdens. Like you have to ask yourself, the boulders that you're carrying right now, mm. are you willing to continue to carry those boulders? If the answer is no, mm. then you have to find a boulder to set down, and it's probably a conversation best had with your your wife and probably your kids as well mm. about what boulders are they willing to help or, 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 or they're willing to uh, support you in setting down? Maybe that's another way of saying it. It presupposes that boulders are always required. And the reason I said that some people don't pick up the boulders, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't do the same things the other parents do. I'm saying it's not a burden to them. It's not an obligation. It becomes something they get to do, and it's because they're driven to do it. Right mm-hmm. now, there, there likely isn't a prescription for that yeah. because drive is actually the antithesis of commitment. Mm. If you're driven, you don't require any commitment because sure. you're driven to do it. And, and, and you know the the uh, maniacal parents who who you know the the Tiger Woods parents or the uh, Serena Williams uh, dad whoever who had this maniacal thing from a young age mm-hmm. uh, the young age for their children to instill the understanding of a sport uh, mm-hmm. I- into their children and they it wasn't a burden to them it right. was the thing they couldn't not do, right? right and yeah. so there are some parents who don't pick up the boulder at all mm. because it's not required of them to pick up that boulder. But mm. Chris, if it's you, if you, if in order for you to get from A to B, you have to pick up some boulders, then you just have to ask, is that the, the price of admission? Is that the tool I want to use? Dude, the, uh, the thought I just had, and I don't even know if this is gonna make sense out loud, but I went to this, um, weightlifting competition in Missoula, Montana. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy, dude. Like they're doing deadlifts and squats and, you know, bench presses and, you know, who can, who can lift the most weights. Right. And I, I went there out of, because the buddy that I had that I worked out with, he was like, let's go to the, I'm like, I've never been to one of those. Let's, I'll go check it out. Yeah. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like the cost of these strong men, a lot of them 
didn't even look strong. You know, they were just like big guts, mm-hmm. big dudes, but they were strong. Right. And it's funny because like if you would have just saw him on the street, you never think like, oh, that guy can bench 500 pounds. Like mm-hmm. you would never even cross your mind. Um, but uh, some of these men, so so some of them are obviously like overweight and not healthy. Right. But they're strong. Yes. Um, some of them have, you know, shoulder replacements and, and uh, back problems and knee problems. Mm-hmm. But because they can't not pursue strength mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. the pain that's associated, the physical, the quite literal physical pain that's associated mm-hmm. with that pursuit, they are, it, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's pain and pain is a burden, but it's a burden that they are willing to do it because they can't, the, the alternative is not becoming strong and they can't not do that. Right. So that's, right. so maybe that's, I don't know if this helps Chris or not. But that's the question is that the obligations, the burdens that you have right now, is it something you can't, is, does it lead to something that you can't not do? And if that's the case, then there's not an easy answer to put down a burden, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if that's, are you, are you following me? Yeah. yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and what you're talking about is illuminating the difference between pain and suffering. I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the suffering is is of the mind pain Mm -hmm. is of the body so to speak Mm -hmm. uh it's not a a perfect analogy but Mm -hmm. it uh and and so they're willing to experience the hardships the 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 pain or whatever because they don't see it through the same lens that you and i see it right you and i see it as pain and they see it as part of the process yeah they, they, they see it as yeah as um a prerequisite yeah. So, Chris, are these obligations you have as a part of the process, or is it something that is bringing you absolute misery? Because if it is leading to something that you can't not do, it's like when I think about that traveling with the soccer, like the I'm, I'm trying to put myself in those shoes where it's like I want my kids to, I want to help my kids uh, um, develop passion. I, I don't know if that's the right word. Cultivate passion. I want to help them cultivate passion. Okay. So to do that, I would pick up the burden of like, all right, let's go to let's go to this weekend thing, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. traveling and gas and money and time and whatever. Um, but because I'm because I can't not cultivate my kid's passion, I'm going to take up this burden. Then it's here. here, here here's the difference. Yeah. I think if that was truly the thing you couldn't not do, if it's yeah. or said another way, if that's your deepest desire, I don't think it's a burden at all. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it, it, it no longer becomes an obligation. I don't feel obligated to write every morning. Yeah. I get to do it. Mm. Now, if you had to get up at 3 a.m. and write every morning, it'd be a burden to you. Sure. If I had to go snowboard this evening, <laughs> it would be a huge burden to me. Right. And and so that, that, that actually illustrates perfectly the there isn't the should, there isn't the right or wrong here. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I can't not do. That's the thing you can't not do. There are no burdens involved right. in this writing. And all of the, all of the, yeah, it's interesting because we start to look at thing as an obligation when it brings us too much pain. When we know we can not do it. Oh yeah. Ooh, that's good. Oh, we're it, getting somewhere now. Yeah. So, so it's an obligation mm. because you're like, ah, I don't have to do that. Hmm. With me, with writing, it, it's not even an option because yeah. 
I, well, I realized that fundamentally I could cut my hands off and stop writing. Like, mm-hmm. I, so I just, just voice dictated. Like, there, there are, if I lost my voice, I would blink Morris code until I, you know, I, I uh, there is no question that I would do it. And the pain of not doing it is actually greater than whatever, you know, slight pain I might get in the moment from, from writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like with snowboarding, there's pain that's involved. Yes. Quite literally, I broke my back. Yes. Five vertebrae. But I, I don't view it as an obligation. The, right. Like the pain is like, yeah, of course there's pain with it. Why wouldn't there be pain with snowboarding? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, if I'm not, in fact, if I'm not experiencing pain, then I'm probably not snowboarding, right? That's not uh, true. <laughs> but, but, but to some extent, if, if, where you're like, if I'm playing it so safe, I'm on the, the bunny slope all day. Uh, what you, pain, another way to say that is discomfort. I'm Discomfort. Yeah, discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, because I'm telling you, like, there's a lift at Lost Trail in Montana. It's, the, it's like the longest lift that they have. It's like 20 minutes, 15 minutes to the top. And it's like the windiest part of the whole resort mm-hmm. and it is so uncomfortable that first to where sometimes I do I'm like oh my god this is so uncomfortable like why do we and why do we do this again I'm looking at Mariah like why do we do this again and then we get on the hill and go down and I'm like oh this and I don't ever yeah like the next ride doesn't feel like a burden anymore right and it, so it all becomes part of the process yeah and and once once that's the case it's no longer about pain mm-hmm it's not about pleasure either. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it because it's pleasurable. Mm. That's the weird thing. Like we can map pleasure onto it, but the pleasure is always in retrospect. Mm -hmm. In the moment you're doing it because it gives you that state of no mind. Mm -hmm. Talk about peace. Talk about tranquility. Isn't that one of the most tranquil moments of your life is Mm -hmm. when you are going down the hill by yourself Mm -hmm. in that state of no mind. Mm Mm-hmm. It is what it feels effortlessly. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Like a beautiful. Yeah. It's like there's a lot going on, but it doesn't feel like any effort. And that is, yeah, that is pretty tranquil. Let's sure. answer Sam's question here. Okay. Advice for people in their 20s trying to build a career or do meaningful things with their life. Josh, that was so long ago for me. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give advice. 40 this year. Shut up. You, maybe you will. <laughs> the AI still thinks I'm 26. <laughs> How do we... Yeah, AI is so good too. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink. All right. <laughs> How do we not feel burdened with trying to do everything? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so advice for people in their 20s trying to build a career to do meaningful things in their life. Uh, well, yeah. So, so How do we not feel burdened with trying to do everything? Yeah. Nothing has meaning. And so when Ryan and I talk about living a meaningful life, it means that we impart meaning onto whatever we decide to impart. It's all a product of the mind. Mm. Nothing is inherently meaningful. And so I just want to make sure you're not approaching this trying to discover the most meaningful thing. She's imposed on herself that she should do meaningful things. (laughs) There is no should. Uh, Yeah, right. Exactly. And, And so here's what I'll say to you is nothing matters. Yeah. And if you start with that as your baseline, mm. then you get to determine what matters to you. Because underst- uh, mm. 100 years from now, this planet is going to be populated with all new people. Mm-hmm. None of us are going to be here. 1,000 years from now, my books and writings probably won't exist. 10,000 years, almost certainly. 100,000 years from now, a million. It's all meaningless anyway. So the question is, what do you find meaningful? What do you assign meaning to? right now in the moment 
what's that thing you can't not do? Mm. That is what you will find meaning in. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, this make I don't know why I just had this thought with Sam's question, but you know there there are obligations like with uh, providing for family, for working, to finding a job, especially in times like this where like jobs aren't plentiful, and I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people filed for unemployment last month. Yeah. So there are these burdens that we take on to survive, and I guess for Sam, it sounds like they have uh, she. He, no, no. Uh, I'm assuming that Sam has some burdens right now that they are struggling with. And what I would say is two things. Uh, have as little obligations and burdens as you can. So put down every single boulder that you're, uh, that you're able to put down mm-hmm. without compromising your health and well-being. Um, and then once you put those down, you find one thing that you can't not do. Mm-hmm. And that is it's a little i mean that is a little bit of a how to um but i'm giving you permission sam to put down as many burdens as possible and uh to to dive into something that you can't not do cuz that's really i think that's really what sam's trying to get to and you're not going to feel burdened by that right you right. know I, you and i will often say um the, the recipe that has worked well for us in the past is saying yes until you have to say no and then saying no until you have to say yes. Mm -hmm. So if you're in your early 20s, there's a period of you don't know what that thing is that you can't not do, right? So you just keep saying yes. Yes, 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 yes. But as you do that, it's it's a loosening of the grip. You're not holding on to those things tightly. I'll try this. I'll try this. I'll try. And eventually, like for me, it was writing. Mm-hmm. And there have been other things as well. Uh, but but writing was, was the thing that as soon as I, I, I started it, I was terrible at it at first. I, but it was the thing I couldn't not do. And in doing it over and over and over, I found that like everything else just sort of started to fall by the wayside for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And and now that you and I have you know, some level of quote unquote success, we don't have to say yes to everything all the time, right? Mm. Like back when we first started The Minimalist, any Fox 45 in Dayton, Ohio wanted us to be on at 5 a.m., we would say, yes, well, here we come. I, I wouldn't say yes to that now. Yeah. I, I say no until I have to say yes. Yeah. I have to say yes to writing. Um, I I might have to say yes to a really meaningful conversation, like the one we had with uh, Dan Harris recently on his 10% Happier podcast. That was like a, that was a hell yeah. I mean, that's the Derek Derek Sivers thing. It's either hell yeah or no. But you have to, going through this, you have to figure out what that hell yeah is just by saying yes a whole bunch at first. Yeah, so that's where Sam's at. You have spent your 20s so far saying yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And now you're at a point, Sam, where you have to start saying no. So, to your point, Josh, start saying no until you have to say yes. Yeah, or don't. That's it's totally up to you. But, um, yeah. I, oh, you're so zen, Josh. I, no, I'm. I, I'm not. <laughs> you should, I've had too much coffee to be zen today. Uh, Ryan, we have some other questions, but you know what? Instead of getting to those, I think maybe we can end with a song here. Cool. At the end of this maximum episode, but before we do that, um, mm-hmm. two quick announcements for patreon mm-hmm. um bex is going to be on the podcast with me and ryan we're going to record it uh, real soon mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to do an episode called how to love which is so funny because the how to love 
Uh-huh. I mean, maybe it's ironic. It is. Okay. And we actually talk about it, I think, on the second episode. Mm. So Bex is starting her own podcast, and mm-hmm. it's called How to Love. It is a private podcast. It is Patreon only. And the reason being is, uh, and by the way, she asked me to be her co-host, so I show up and make smart-alecky remarks and do things to embarrass her. And uh, But it's me and her. Uh, it's audio only. We sit in a room and we have some conversations. And I like the how-to thing as a Trojan horse because how to love is really some observations about love. Mm. But that's not nearly as pithy, right? And people... Observations on love, not nearly as <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> catchy. But, but people are looking, because we've been acculturated to do so, they're looking for the steps, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for the how-to love. But if mm-hmm. they show up looking for that... And we can get past the how-to things. Mm-hmm. We can show the why-to. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, we can talk about love in a way. So really, it's a, it's a podcast. Uh, what did she say? It's a podcast about relationships, parenting, and sex, not necessarily in that order. And so we answer some people's questions on the podcast. We talk about some things in our own life, navigating our own unconventional relationship mm. it's uh, patreon.com slash how to love and then also i started doing these little tests as i as i've been trying to have this deeper understanding i've been doing this little conversation i haven't done anything with them yet called minimalism today like these little 12 to 15 minute episodes with i was inspired by the people in our film less is now ryan i was inspired by um the everyday minimalists mm. You know, because you and I got to interview like 30 of them for that film. And I think maybe 15 or 20 of them made it into the film itself. Mm-hmm. But I realized like, oh, wouldn't this be really compelling if I just hop on the phone with a aspiring minimalist mm. and start recording some of these conversations, mm. not giving advice per se, but listening helping them understand, helping me really understand. Um, and I've done five of these so far. I just sat down and... How do you, how, so how do you pick people? Uh, they were patrons. Oh, okay. I just sent out an email to cool. some of the VIP patrons. Awesome. And had them say, Re- hey, yeah, hey, do you want to have a, a quick conversation with me? It's, mm. yeah, and they're anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes or so. Awesome. So these are like the quality conversations, um, but more specifically with... Yeah. Yeah, this, but yeah. L- less like interviews and more like a a... People often show up looking for advice, mm. and what I often do is hand them a mirror and help them see something. Mm. Uh, and, and all I'm the only way I'm doing that is because I see something that they haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when they, when they see it, and it's not my what, what's been nice is I haven't been trying to convince people of anything. Sure. And and so they've just been these it's phone calls basically. And so. Um, I think that's just going to live on Patreon mm-hmm. uh, because I don't want to, maybe I'll put one or two out in, in the the real world, but like these are intimate conversations mm. and it's an exploration. And so if you want to have the exploration, it, it's free for any of our Patreon supporters. We'll put our first one up this month and it's just a, a quick, a quick conversation, uh, some insight for people who are aspiring to live with less i'm still aspiring (laughs) aspiration all over my place (laughs) 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 ryan um there is this new album i've been listening to by um toby nwigwi he is 
I think of Nigerian descent. He lives in Houston, sort of like uh, hip hop music, but conscious, but also art. Like if you watch his videos on YouTube, they are stunning works of visual art. Jordan, you've got. His, did I show you any of his videos? It looks like something that that Jordan would make 18 months from now. Mm. Um, I mean, they're truly gorgeous. Mm. And I know how talented Jordan is, and I could see him moving in a direction of this, like really creating beautiful art. So the music is art, but also the, the visuals are art as well. He has a new album out called Cinco Originals. And let's just finish this Maximal episode with, uh, he has a song called Purple Rain Thing. Purple Rain Thing? Yeah, okay. and it's, it's a great song. Uh, we can just finish yeah. this episode with that all right y'all thanks for joining us today love people use things thank you so much patrons thank you so much oh oh yeah let go my hood full of cases like the red box and everything be gucci to them fast not the rap game in a headlock and i'm trying to make classic moves like a leg drop oh off top like a guillotine the speech is mean and i deem anything you glean to be fit for kings oh or queens if you female i prevail because i got the wife who pray in detail and keep shells and a pistol strapped to her like sea bells because we felt she should tote a banger if she need help look my coretta pack morettas and a sleep well Putting something in a dread head like a seashell, ooh. But we non-violent word to mark. Unless they get the spark and then we ain't for marching. I only spit the life I live, so it ain't alarming that you never get a character whenever I'm performing. Most these rappers off as shaman, but that ain't me, can't be. I'm from where the killers and the gangs be, thank me. Later for not switching up or changing. I'm on my bigot mixed with Prince Purple Rain thing, ooh. Purple rain thing. Purple rain thing.